You're listening to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop. Thanks so much for tuning in. Each week, I invite a guest onto the show to talk about a topic that is meant to be a catalyst for growth in our lives, to spark ideas, get unstuck, and gain new insights that compel us to action as we journey together to play full out and live fully into who we were created to be. And I'm really excited about today's episode. I have invited a friend of mine, Jean Marie Jobs, to talk about battling perfectionism. And this conversation is near and dear to my heart because I have battled with perfectionism for years and it is still something that I struggle with. In our conversation, we talk about the illusion of control and what happens when we try to control the future. We also talk about the way that perfectionism manifests itself and how it's the greatest enemy to transformation. We talk about the distinction between excellence and perfectionism the power of thought distancing, and how perfectionism is a mechanism to protect ourselves from disappointment. If you struggle with perfectionism, or maybe you know someone who does, you're not going to want to miss out on this conversation. A little bit more about Jean Marie. She is a master trainer in transformational work, and she founded Gap Community, which is a nonprofit organization whose vision is to equip individuals and groups to further engage the call on their lives with excitement, purpose, and responsibility. She also founded Yellow Marker, which is a corporate training company that trains teams and organizations with the vision of bringing character and values to the foreground personally and professionally. And she's also the author of The Art of Feeding Heroes, Leading from the Inside Out. Jean Marie has made a massive impact on my life, and I think we've known each other for about four years. She's an excellent trainer and coach. And I love that Jean Marie really leads her life with values that are very important to her. And three things that she's dedicated to are unleashing passion, developing character, and creating legacy. She is a woman that, again, has been an incredible influence in my life. And I know that your life will be impacted by her even in our brief time together on this podcast. Here's my conversation with Jean Marie. Jean Marie, it is so good to be with you. Thanks so much for taking time out today to talk about perfectionism. Thank you. It's great to be here, Lisa. I'm just I'm curious what what's been going on with you these days? How are you how are you experiencing life? How you experience our current rea- current reality? Oh wow. Kind of depends on the day. This is uh this has been a tough season for me. It's been it's just been really difficult not knowing um, what is coming. And um, I just had two in-person trainings cancel last week that were supposed to be last weekend and then um, ne- the next weekend. So really disappointing, really frustrating. Um, I'm a planner. I'm a scheduler. So uh, for me, this season has been difficult because I all of my strengths of planning and scheduling are 
super frustrated <laughs> because I can't really do much of that right now. Yeah, I feel yeah, and I'm I fall in the I want to control things camp, and that yeah. like not that I ever really was in control, but if anything, this season is teaching me that control is an illusion in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think it's you know that's what I've been really coming to grips with is the reality is I've never had any more control than I do right now. Mm. It's the same. Um, I just have had a better illusion mm. and now I have a poorer illusion. <laughs> so it's, it just feels like the uh, covers have been ripped off, you know, it's just naked and like, okay, well it is what it is. You've actually never had control over the future. Mm. You've never had control over a lot of external situations and circumstances. Uh, you just imagine that you did and the ability to plan and schedule fed that illusion and you loved that and that was awesome. And now that's not available, but you really never had quote unquote control, at least the way I like to think of the word control. Uh, I just never had that over external things. So I think in this season, I've really been focusing on where is my locus of control? What do I actually get to manage and control? And so to me, it's, it's me. It's what am I doing right here in this moment? And am I choosing to be with the person I'm with? Am I choosing to create value? Whether or not I feel like it, whether or not I feel discouraged or frustrated or uh, fill in the blank, I still get to choose right this moment. Uh, and that's that's been life giving for me in the middle of all of the madness. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really interesting because one thing that comes to mind for me is that while we may not be able and we can't control the future, there are ways of being and things that we can be in action around and do now. It's not like we're like, woo, I can't control the future, so just you know, fly by the seat of my pants. Or that doesn't absolve us from. I don't know if I want to use the word responsibility, but you, you know what I mean? It's yeah, all about control anyway. So, but that's not really the conversation. The conversation is we can't control the future, but like, yeah. So talk, talk a little bit about that. Well, I think that, okay, we can never control the future. And what's, what I've been noticing is the ways that people attempt to control the future when things are uncertain often look like anxiety. Right? The anxiety is I'm attempting to control this future. I can't control it the way I think I should, quote unquote. Uh, and it's creating anxiety. It's like I can't imagine a future that's better than what I have now. So you know, anxiety is, in, in a sense, a disease of the future, right? Where I'm sick about the future or what I imagine the future could be. And I'm, I think... If you're going to use your imagination, use it for something that brings life mm -hmm. and get, your anxiety doesn't bring life. And I think oftentimes the people that I know, including myself uh, in my perfectionistic tendencies, perfectionism can really feed anxiety. It can really be a, a platform for anxiety to increase and to grow and to kind of go crazy in this season. I think it's easy to it's just easy to be hard on yourself when things aren't going quote unquote perfectly. And 
you know, as if there's some magical way to do pandemic, there's a, there's a perfect way to do it. And you just haven't figured it out yet. You know? <laughs> it's, just, it's so funny. Uh, just the, the, some of the thoughts and, and the expectations that automatically pop up like, Oh, I'm not, you know, writing the great American novel right now. Oh, I haven't cleaned out all my closets. Oh, I haven't, you know, whatever it is as if there's some list somewhere of here's the perfect way to do pandemic. If you did this, then you're winning, you're winning the pandemic game. You know? No, that's so true. And you mentioned perfectionism, which is the really the thing that we're going to talk most about today. And when I emailed you and I said, Jean, I, you need to be on my podcast. What do you want to talk about? And you gave me three options. And the second one was perfectionism. And I thought, did you just slip that in there? Because you know, it's something that I deal with and struggle with. But I thought we have got to talk about perfectionism and like what that is and the impact of that, et cetera. Because it's, as you know, it's something, you know, that I struggle with. And frankly, I didn't even know that I struggle with perfectionism. I don't even know what to make of this, but until probably about five years ago with a coworker, he was saying something along the lines of just how like my expectations are really super high and I do everything with excellence and how I'm a perfectionist. And I just looked at him like, what are you talking about? And he just burst out laughing. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I think I like to do things with excellence, but I hadn't really seen that perfectionism piece and excellence can be a, like a thing to strive for, but perfectionism may not be. So, so what is it that you, why does perfectionism in that topic, why was that a topic that you was top of mind for you these days? I just think it's, it's an epidemic. First of all, I see it, and I see it in myself. I see it in people that I coach and that I train and work with. It's, it's really, really common. Uh, and oftentimes it, the way that it manifests itself is I shouldn't be human essentially. Like if I'm just going to boil it all down, there's a backstory that we're living out of that I shouldn't be human, or I'm really disappointed that I'm actually human, or I just can't believe that I'm actually human, or there's a problem that I'm actually human. <laughs> so I think it's really the, I think it's the greatest enemy to transformation. I mm -hmm. think perfectionism is the number one enemy to transformation. When people go and decide, I want to really transform my life. I'm committed to this new future and what I see possible. Perfectionism will undermine and sabotage that every single time. Because when you're doing something new, there is not some perfect way to do it. There is a lot of what we would call failure involved, right? There's a lot of <clears throat> disappointment. There's a lot of, I did this, but it didn't really turn out, or I upset this person, or I look like an idiot, or whatever. There's a lot of that when transformation is in process because it requires risk. And I think perfectionism and risk are not very good friends. And yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> so how do you distinguish between excellence and perfectionism? Like when, when does, because we're meant to do things with excellence, right? But how, like, so how do you know you're in the perfectionist zone? What are some of the um, things to be mindful of? I think a lot of it has to do with focus. <clears throat> so excellence, when I'm committed to excellence, I am focused on the other I'm focused on the outcome. What's, what am I producing for them? 
what's happening for the other person? Am I creating something with excellence? Am I, you know, having people over to my house this weekend? Am I being a hostess with excellence? What am I, you know, setting up for them versus perfectionism, which is essentially self-looking. I mean, it, it's, I'm looking at myself, I'm measuring myself. I've lost sight of the, this bigger picture that I'm living into because the reality is we can, we can screw up a lot of things. We can, um, in a word, mess up something and excellence can still occur for the other person. So I think a lot of it is where we're looking, how we're spending our energy, uh, perfection, the idea of executing perfectly over and over and over again is a fantasy. And the problem with fantasy is it always ends in despair because it's not real. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the other piece is when you're, giving yourself to a process or a project or whatever you're working on, the despair will tell you that you're in perfectionism, where I think excellence is something that is generative and it provides that hope and that, I just call it a re-up, that willingness to re-up and to go again, because excellence is a beautiful thing to be committed to. It's like, let's go, let's have this, let's, let's have it be beautiful. Um, perfectionism tends to get small. Like I, I don't like to ask for help. I don't want people to see me. I've got to figure this out on my own where excellence is more uh, of an invitation for participation, right? For collaboration, for other people to be a part of it. I know if I really want something to be excellent, I'm going to need to invite other people in because I can't see all the sides. But when I'm in my perfectionistic cocoon, I don't want to invite other people in. I'm telling myself I have to figure it out. And there's something wrong with me if I can't figure it out. And I'm the only one that can do it the way it should be done. So I don't want to invite anybody else into it. No, they will mess it up for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, as I think about why do I strive for, I think I strive for excellence, but the thing that that's coming to mind for me is I know it's perfectionism when there's shame involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? And so yeah. for me, it's like, I will, I'm just wired to do things to the best of my ability and to call that up in others. But I realize when perfectionism comes in, when I have that like pit of my stomach shame, like, oh my gosh, you know, if I don't do it the right way, which I think that's another thing with perfectionism is, you know, there's this right and perfect way to do it that mm -hmm. people, my narrative that I'm continually, you know, consciously trying to dismantle is I'm not going to be liked. I'm not mm -hmm. going to be loved. You know, my, my friend, I didn't say this perfectly, not doing the relationship the right way. I said something that offends. Now they're going to abandon me or, you know, my, my work, you know, if I don't do my work with a certain level of excellence, I will be rejected. So for me, perfectionism is tied to the perception of rejection or the perception that you'll take your love, your respect, your like of me away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, there's, there's definitely that shame piece that there's not enough. I'm not enough. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I think, yeah, it can kind of be like this hamster wheel situation. What, what are some other things that you would want our listeners to think about in the way of 
perfectionism, some things that we should be like paying attention to, noticing, considering? I think uh, a lot of it, when I'm in a perfectionistic mindset, I, I can hear it in my own internal conversation. So exactly what you pointed to, whether it's shame or that fear, the anxiety, what if this, 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 I'm not enough, I'm going to mess it up, um, et cetera. I did a Facebook Live yesterday and I was telling myself, this is this was my internal conversation, uh -huh. you are horrible at Facebook Lives. Why do you even do them? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, then I, and then I caught myself and I was, I was like, you, this is not going to create awesomeness for other people or you, but definitely not other people. So. <laughs> A lot of it is catching, catching yourself. I think when the beginning, when this pandemic started, um, I came up with this phrase, which has been helpful to me that I call thought distancing. And so it's like, there's, I have a thought, but I am not my thought hmm. or I have an emotion, but I am not, I, I am not my emotion. It's something that's happening. It's not my identity. And so how can I thought distance? How can I create a space between myself and the thought? So I can look at the thought and say, does this, is this, is it true? Is there something else just as true or truer? Uh, does this thought contribute to me participating fully and, mm -hmm. and creating joy and creating value and hope with people? Does this thought take me out? Yeah. So that distance and, and being aware enough to create the distance and then to make choices. That's really, and I know that's something that your transformational work is a lot on is our thoughts and not like we can control every thought that comes into our mind, but we can choose the thought that we are going to give space to time to repetitiveness to. Absolutely. Because I don't think a lot of people think about, oh, I can actually choose my thoughts. And this isn't like pop psychology, positive thinking, like God's word actually literally says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, like he's talking about with his word, but that we actually do, I think it might be a new concept for a lot of people that we actually have the ability to not control all the thoughts that come in eventually, because if we choose the thoughts that are more life-giving to ourselves and others on a more frequent basis than the thoughts that are entering into our mind are going to shift too, right? Yeah, I think over time, it's you're, just, you're creating new neural pathways, right? God's designed us to reinforce the things that we dwell on. That's why whatever is good and lovely and pure and holy, dwell on these things. It's like when you're dwelling, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're dwelling, when you're investing your thought life, you're creating those neural pathways. You're deepening the grooves. And yes, over time, there's an easier place to default. And that works both ways, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, going back to the perfectionism piece of things, I don't know if you, I know we've talked a little bit about the Enneagram. And mm -hmm. I, I'm a fan of different assessments, just giving me windows into ways of being that I may not be aware of. I'm not a fan of being labeled by them or anchored in them, or this is just the way that I am. But the, you know, being an Enneagram one, I think sometimes is labeled as a perfectionist or the improver. And I get these any of thoughts every day. And I thought, Oh, actually, but since, since this podcast has been coming up today, let me just tell you in the last couple of days, the number of opportunities for me to screw things up has been amazing. I'm like, what is going on? Why is this happening? The Lord is trying to break me free of my stronghold of perfectionism. But 
it's ironically or not, the thought for the day is remember that unhealthy ones are intolerant, punitive, and obsessive about imperfection and the wrongdoing of others. Do not act out of these self-defeating reactions now or ever. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> but but it's it's interesting because perfectionism is not only something that impacts the person who is pursuing after that, but it also has an impact on people around us, right? And I, I would I would agree, like I oh, I hate to, well, I am confessing this, but you know, sometimes I have this punitive and I, because I feel like I should pay for doing something and screwing something up. So then, Mm -hmm. then I have this, my instinct is then to make it punitive for other people. Absolutely. It's hard for us to recognize that our internal conversations, the things we say to ourselves about ourselves also leak out, they leak out to other people. So if I'm hard on myself, 100% I am being hard on other people. And that's a difficult reality for people sometimes to to grapple with. I know I've had many conversations at times with people where they, they say, no, 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 I'm only hard on myself. I'm not hard on other people. I give other people extra grace. And then I'm listening, thinking, the word extra tells me that you actually are being hard on them because you've assessed them as needing extra, right? So it's just, it lives in our blind spots, but whatever is happening internally is often leaking out. We're, we're leaky vessels at best. And they're, they're another reason, right, to be really uh, aware of and pay attention to how am I talking to myself? What is my internal conversation to me about me? Because that punitive piece of perfectionism will leak out towards other people. And it's, I might not, I might not be aware of it at all, but I guarantee you, if I ask people around me, Hey, do you think I'm hard on you? (laughs) Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I know that, you know, from a work perspective, um, one of my, one of the gals I had work with me just early on, you know, I, I asked for feedback and I'm really grateful when I get feedback, even if it's maybe a little bit hard to hear because then it, it creates the opportunity for to make it, me to make a choice and shift. And I had realized that I will always desire excellence, but how, when, I, when I desire that of my team members, how am I leaving them? Am I caring more about excellence or am I caring about them and the relationship as well, if that makes sense? And so- yeah just in conversations with her realizing, okay, when something in the moment doesn't go right, it's probably not the best timing for me to say something because we're not going to be able to change it. And so how can I, how can I just take responsibility for the way in this situation that I was communicating with her in in a way that doesn't leave her like afraid to screw up all the time now? Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm giving up the, Hey, let's do this the best we can, but how can I, like, how can I love people in the process and care about them as a person, the relationship more than the, more than the results? Yeah. And I don't know if it's a, you know, a more or less or either or, but I, most people, obviously not everyone, most people want to do a great job. Most people, most people do, they want to do a good job. So if they aren't doing a good job or if they make a mistake, then it's either, okay, are they not competent? Do they need training? Is it an attitudinal shift that needs to happen? Or is something else going on? Is their attitude 
you know, distracting? Or do they just not have that particular gifting, if you will, like they don't see what you see? And that's, again, not a bad thing. They might see other things that you obviously don't see. But it's which, which one of those is it? Are they just not wanting to do it? Is there, are they sending you a message? Or is it another uh, is there another explanation for it? What else is going on? And so I think that's a great opportunity for that curiosity and empathy and wondering into, wow, what is it that happened? Did something shift that I wasn't aware of? I mean, I know for me, anytime that's happened and something's been off, it just happened to me last week. Uh, somebody that works for me was supposed to respond to an email in the same day because I'm super anal about those things. <laughs> and they said, got it done. <clears throat> and then a week later, the person who had emailed me said, hey, did you get my email last week? Hmm. And normally my head would explode when that happens because uh, it's just, a, it's a, a huge pet peeve, not responding to people right away. Yeah. But I just checked in with the person and I know there's a lot going on. Their dad is sick. He's in the hospital. There's, we just had a huge shutdown here in California. So that changed a lot of the plans that we were working on. There's a lot of things going on. Not as if that excuses anything. It's just let me know that, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of distractions and she immediately was like, got it. Please forgive me. I blew it jumped back in done. And it's, it's fine. You know, do I wish it wouldn't have happened? Yeah. Did it? Yeah. Can we work with it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, all the things. Yeah. I think the thing that I struggle with is there can be kind of one-off occurrences or not patterns, but mm -hmm. I think I, I struggle when I see it's a, a pattern. So it wasn't, well, I guess everything could be potentially circumstantial, but if someone has, oh, I'm, you know, I really apologize I'm going to get better and they don't like they're that's where I just experience upset and frustration you know yeah and I don't think that's perfectionism I think that's just wisdom hmm. I mean <laughs> if there's patterns there's a reason for patterns right that's what we look at all the time in the world of coaching and training the patterns let you know there's a, a stronghold or a belief system in place that the person may or may not be aware of if they're not aware of it, there's absolutely zero possibility of it changing. And if they would like to be aware of it, there is a possibility. And sometimes people are in the wrong job or sometimes they don't have a certain competency. Sometimes they need training. Like there could be a lot of things. Sometimes there's just a belief that they're not aware of that keep, continues to undermine this one piece. Mm -hmm. So uh, in a lot of your training, which I love, and I want to definitely plug at the end, you talk about this idea of prices and payoffs. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious to have just a, a conversation around what are some of the, the payoffs that we have for being a perfectionist? Okay, great. Well, let's just maybe add a little context. So the assumption, underlying assumption to the prices and payoffs conversation is no one's crazy, right? We all do what we do for a reason. We're getting something out of it. Even if what we're getting, we would say, ew, I don't really like that. Yeah. But it's still a thing, right? It's still what we're getting, whether it's I get to be right, I get to feel like I'm in control, I get to look good, uh, mm. I get to stay comfortable, 
most of us don't like to admit to those types of payoffs, but the reality is they're there and you're human. So welcome, welcome to life, right? So for perfectionism, I think there's, there's quite a few payoffs. Uh, A lot of them have to do with being right, Hmm. being right and being in control. Right, looking good. Those are, I get to be superior. I get to hold my standards above other people's standards. I get to be the good, quote unquote, right? The good fill in the blank, good student, good daughter, good employee, good boss, good whatever. Uh, I get to control my, what I think is, needs to be controlled. And there's a, a fantasy in there about controlling other people, but we'll look at the prices later. Wow. Uh, yeah, so a lot of the perfectionistic narrative is about me being in control, me looking good, um, me st- me staying safe in a sense. It's a it's another, if you will, uh, it's a way to create this sense of safety. If I can keep everything perfect, if I can keep myself ordered and perfect and getting it right and doing it right, I will therefore be insulated from disappointment. Wow. Wow. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I could listen to you. Yeah, this, that's so true. I I resonate with that. It's this false sense of security and safety. Yeah. And then, so that's the, again, that's why it doesn't work at the end of the day, because oftentimes what we as human beings determine is quote unquote safe is actually really dangerous Yeah, because it keeps us locked in a one specific pattern and then we lose our flexibility and we lose our adaptability right and that is where we lose health mental health physical health spiritual health uh, when we start to lose that ability to continue to learn because often when we're in a perfectionistic mindset learning even can seem like a threat if it happens in the moment learning if I'm choosing to go study a bunch of things so that I can be the expert at it, not a problem, (laughs) but learning in the moment, which other people might call failure or disappointment. We don't like that in that mindset. So that, so there's a, there's a lot of payoffs around that control and looking good piece. And of course there's a lot of prices, some of which we've talked about is the punitive, narrative. It's what happens to the relationships, the people around us. If I'm not ever good enough, no one else is going to be good enough either. Mm. It's the shame storm, uh, right? It's that very linear type of relating and thinking, which creates transactional interactions instead of relational interactions. So, I mean, if you, another way to think about it is perfectionism is a transactional way of relating to myself. Hmm. Because I am thinking of myself as a commodity. I am only good for what I do well. I am only good when I get it right. That's what I'm good for. Mm -hmm. And when I start to look out at the world that way, other people become transactions instead of relationships. Wait, wait, wait. That's so good. Can you say that again? Yeah. (laughs) So it's a, think of it like a, a barter or an exchange. That's the the transaction. So when I'm in a perfectionistic mindset, the transaction is I do it the right way 
And what I get in exchange is I feel good about myself. I get to be right. I get to look good. I am now insulated and safe from the dangers and perturbations of messiness or whatever it is. That's a transaction. It's the same way when I'm looking at other people, when I'm in that mindset, when I'm in that mindset, I'm saying to myself about other people that they are only good for what they can do for me. Yeah. I'm not conscious of that usually because that's ugly and I don't want to be ugly. So I wouldn't see that about myself, but underneath I'm, it's very transactional because then if other people don't perform or behave the way they should, they need to go away. Mm. Opposed to a relational context. If I don't see myself relationally, then yeah, I don't have self-compassion, right? I don't have grace for myself. I can't stand to see mistakes. I don't want to see mistakes. And the, and the things that we don't want to see, we end up finding ways to not see them. We call them something else. We relabel them so we don't have to look at them right in the face. If I don't like the fact that um, I make mistakes, I might relabel that or, or reframe that as because somebody else didn't do what they were supposed to do. I couldn't do this. It, so it's a really easy way to slip into blame or justification. They're, they're like next door neighbors to perfectionism. <laughs> they live in the same street. Uh, so that blame and justification happens because I don't want to look at what I did or didn't do even if what I did or didn't do could be a learning opportunity or could be the actual data that I need to shift and move forward. Does, you know what I mean? It's so it's, there's so many pieces that come along with this perfectionistic mindset. And it's in some ways it's uh, it's very adolescent hmm. uh, in that it's performative. Like just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. Yeah. Right? It's a performance, a performance uh, contact here where I'm, I'm constantly trying to do something right, get it right, check the list off. So then what? So then I can, I don't even know, right? Fill in the blank. I don't know. Then I can tell myself something about myself. And I think it's, it's so common. People, it's, we all suffer from it in different, in different ways and at different times. And it's just, it's a common default for human being. Yeah. Humans love to be in control. We love to get it right. We love to look good. It's, it's, it's a place to go when I don't want to trust a, for a savior. Hmm. That's so good. So I, <laughs> I, I'm always trying to be mindful of the way I formulate my questions with you because I know that my like communication reveals a lot. So <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. No. Um, so this is probably not the right way to say it. There you go. There's my perfectionism. So if, for, for those people who are listening are like, okay, this is an awesome conversation. How do I stop being a perfectionist? See, that is a perfectionist not, question. Don't know, love it. <laughs> not like you can ever stop. So I'm very, I know I need to work on my word choice, but so you get the gist. How, how, how do I, how do I grow in this area of, of, so here I go, not being a perfectionist, but you know what I mean? 
<laughs> How do I get out of it? Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, I hear you. I, I think that's almost like saying, how do I stop being human? Oh, yeah. I know. Mm. So maybe another, another conversation could be, I tend towards perfectionism. Let me continue to look and see when and where that's happening so that I can shift. Let's de-signify the stigma. I'm not saying you're a horrible person or I'm a horrible person or anyone is when they are living in that framework. I'm saying you're a person. This is human. So again, when we stigmatize something, when we want to resist something, it's just going to get bigger because the willingness to then see it is going to diminish because I don't want to see anything bad, wrong, or broken, especially if it's about me. I don't want to be associated with it. So if I've decided perfectionism is bad, now I have to eradicate it from my life. Mm. Probably my perfectionism will escalate because that conversation in itself is a perfectionistic performative conversation. Yeah. So it's like I'm trying to attack something inside the context of the thing that it is. Mm-hmm. So I would just, you know, encourage you, myself, anyone just to, just to start to elevate your awareness of your thoughts, examine your thoughts examine your thoughts. Hmm, this is interesting. Let's just make it interesting without attaching a value judgment to it. If we can distance ourselves from the judgment, then we'll have so much more room for creativity. Mm-hmm. That judgment and creativity don't they don't really live together and the more judgment we have about ourselves or other people, the less creative and the less adaptable, the less flexible that we're going to be. And that rigidity is really part of perfectionism, right? Because there's this very linear, certain way things have to go and be done. And again, that's going to lead us down a certain direction. So I promise you'll see a lot more options once you've surrendered to the reality of your humanity. Yeah. When we stop battling that and making that wrong, and when we can go, human, raise my hand human then okay there's going to be we're going to see a lot of other choices but as long as i'm pushing against or resisting the reality that i'm human it's it's just a hard road man it's it's a road lined with shame and punishment and despair and um scarcity yeah that's good that's good well i could talk to you forever and ever and ever and i'm grateful that you're my friend so i get to talk to you whenever i want <laughs> i'm grateful too such an awesome 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 conversation and listeners now you can see why i said that i have a deep affection and admiration for jean marie um you just have made such a massive impact in my life like i came into your training which i want to talk about as we close here in just a minute i think it was about four years ago and i was like deeply rooted in despair and bitterness. Like it was Mm -hmm. just wrecking my life. And like literally you, who you are and your training totally gave me the, what I needed to shift. And my life is just so different from the place that I was in four years ago. So I just, I really admire who you are. I admire your contribution to the world and I admire your vulnerability and authenticity as well, because you're incredibly awesome at what you do in your master coaching, but you never, it's never like a hierarchical thing. It's always like, I'm with you in this process. And there's just a vulnerability, which 
I just really admire. So thank you for spending this time with us today. Thank you. It's always good to see you and hear your beautiful voice. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about um, Gap Community. I want to hear uh, our listeners to hear a little bit about some of the offerings that you have. And, and I know that the training world has just been turned upside down. And as you said earlier in the conversation, that in-person trainings tend to have a, yeah, a little bit, we have to hold them a little bit loosely. Um, but t- tell us about some online opportunities that you have or, or anything that you want to um, have me- people be mindful of. Share a little bit about that because you've got some awesome things happening online as well. Yeah, thank you. So our website is gapcommunityalloneword.com. And you can look at the schedule and see. We do have some in-person trainings coming up, one in Atlanta next month and one in Southern California in September. I say all that. God willing, yeah. <laughs> inshallah, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we also have our one of our online offerings, our new ones is a resilience training that I created. And the next one is on Saturday, August 8th. We have a free online course on identity. That's three modules. It's all around who are you and where we get caught and make some like some traps in thinking around our identity and how to get out of those traps and where does our identity come from. So that's online. We have a class that's uh, the Feed Your Hero class online that is a mirror to the book that I wrote, The Art of Feeding Heroes, Leading from the Inside Out, which you can find on Amazon. That's online. And then on my corporate website, yellowmarker.com, I just uploaded uh, today. Uh, a 20 minute free training on overwhelm. Wow. What to do, what is overwhelm and what are some practical ways to get yourself unhooked from the experience of overwhelm and anxiety. So I've just been looking for ways to continue to do create value and offer things because I know people really need resource right now. I know I need resource. So sometimes I just create it. I think I'm talking to myself and it works out. <laughs> but, um, and my YouTube channel, Jean Marie Jobs, is I also have tons of videos on there. And they're short and they're, again, just ways to help people look at things from different perspectives and to add resource and value to your life. Yeah, no, those are all amazing resources. And I highly recommend those of you who are listening, actually share this podcast with other people, share these resources. Again, gapcommunity.com, yellowmarker.com. Yes, your book, The Art of Feeding Heroes. I think I like highlighted pretty much every page. It's amazing. (laughs) So The Art of Feeding Heroes, highly recommend that y'all purchase that as well. And then Jean Marie Jobs on YouTube, check that out too. Again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Jean Marie, I really value and appreciate you. And listeners, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Again, if you found it useful, listen to it again, actually. Sometimes I listen to things one time or read a book once and I don't soak it in. So if this is something that really spoke to you, listen to it again, share it with friends, and we'll see you next time. 